You're listening to the Oasis Church Podcast. a topic uh, that kind of goes along with God living big in us in 2023 as we've been diving into that this whole month. I hope that you have taken the time to allow God to live big in you and that you're striving to see what God wants you to do with your life so you can live bigger for him, all that he wants you to be in 2023. But I wanted to end this series out with a topic that I think is so important. Um, we, we, we need to be doing this every day, so I'm trying to just encourage us all to do this, and it's checking your heart so that you don't have a heart attack. Managing your heart so you don't have a heart attack. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this time we have together. I pray your word would fall on good soil today, that we would hear your scriptures and they would penetrate our hearts, and we would be changed by your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So I want to give you a little um, introduction to uh, a little glimpse into the life at the Steelman household. Most of you have heard Joey talk about his dog. He has, we have, but he has the dog, although I take care of the dog. But he has a dog, and his name is Ronnie Ray, and he is an English bulldog. I think we have a picture of him for you. This is Ronnie Ray. <laughs> Yes, he is squatty and fat. That is not just the camera. So this is Ronnie Ray the Bulldog, and Joey is obsessed with this dog. We've had him for about two years in the summer. He is obsessed with this dog. The next picture was from our Christmas card that Ronnie Ray the Bulldog made it into because he is part of the family. But he's so obsessed with this dog that my daughter for Christmas decided to have a sweatshirt custom made for him as his gift. And that is his sweatshirt. That is the front of it. Let me show you the back. Team Ronnie. You guys, he wears that every day at home. People come to the house and he doesn't care. He's wearing his Ronnie Ray the Bulldog sweatshirt and, and proudly wearing it. He loves his dog. So we have one dog, Ronnie, and we have two cats. And I never liked dogs. I was always a cat person growing up. And so I never wanted a dog. So I was able to put off the whole dog world um, for a long time until obviously recently. Uh, but I, I couldn't even get him to agree to have cats when we first got married because he said he was allergic. Now, at first I was like, you are lying. You are not allergic. But then I took him to my grandma's house when we first started dating, and, and, and he like nearly choked to death from cat hair. But then I realized my grandma had like six cats in the house, so you're going to choke to death of cat hair whether you're allergic or not. I mean, growing up, it was just common occurrence. Like she'd serve whatever she served for dinner, I just would pick the cat hair out of. I mean, that was just life. <laughs> what? It's a little cat hair. It's not going to hurt anybody. Put a little hair on your chest. It's fine. So I've always had cats. I could never talk him into having a cat until we had two daughters who then talked him into having cats. And so now we have two cats and Ronnie Ray the Bulldog. The reason why I share Ronnie Ray the Bulldog is because he is obsessed with food. I mean, like another level. I know dogs are obsessed with food, but he is like obsessed with food. The only way we get him to do things at the house is we bribe him with chicken. So probably our neighbors think we're crazy because they always hear us yelling, chicken! If he's running towards the pool, Ronnie, chicken! If we need him to come in the house, Ronnie, I've got chicken! Whatever I need him to do, I just yell chicken, and he comes running for chicken. So it was no surprise to us when we took him to the vet for a checkup about a month ago, and the vet said, your dog is too fat. He needs to lose some ALBs. 
Well, Joey was very offended by that and said that he will not return to that vet because that vet fat shamed his dog. <laughs> so we have not been back for the weigh-in. <laughs> and he has not altered his food. I don't know. I have because I care about the dog's life and health. So the other day, before Joey left for Africa, he was lovingly petting his dog as he does, you know, telling him his goodbyes and how much he will miss him and all the things. And he said, Ronnie, you have gotten a little fat. I really hope your heart does not attack you. And when he said that, it made me laugh because I thought, oh gosh, it just was funny in the moment. But I started thinking, it's so true, your heart attacks you. Your heart attacks your whole body. When you, we know that our heart is responsible for our oxygen flow. Our heart's responsible for our blood flow. So when something happens to our heart, our whole body is physically affected. But it's the same way in the spirit world, right? Our heart, what we're carrying in our heart, it affects our entire body. And so whatever you have lingering in your heart and are dwelling on, you have to know that whatever it is there, it's either going to enhance your life or it's going to harm your life. So that's what I want to share with you today as we close out this series on God living big in us. I want to be people that don't allow our hearts to attack us. The Bible tells us in Proverbs, above all else, above all else, that's telling you this is the most important thing I'm gonna say. Above all else, guard your heart, for everything flows from it. Everything flows from our heart. The psalmist goes on to say, create in me a pure heart, O God. Another psalm says, test me, examine my heart, examine my mind. Psalms 19 says, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable to you. The psalms go on and on about managing the content of our heart. Now, obviously, there's so many things that we need to guard against a heart attack in our lives. There's a lot of different things that come at us that affect our hearts. But I want to just focus on three things today, just for the sake of time, uh, because uh, these are the top three things that I have to manage and guard my heart against. So I thought, well, I'll bring them to you and see if maybe that's something that resonates with you as well. So if we're looking at things that we have to guard our heart against, the first one, in my opinion, is offense. Offense, we have to guard our heart against offense. Offense is 100% a heart killer. If offense, if somebody offends you and it settles in your heart, it then becomes unforgiveness. It gets deep and it gets rooted. Unforgiveness is already heart disease. That's not what we're talking about when I talk about offense. Unforgiveness is when an offense has happened and you've taken hold of that offense and it's planted in your heart and now you have unforgiveness towards somebody or bitterness towards somebody and you have to go through the process of releasing that person to God, asking God to strengthen you to forgive them. That's a different topic for a different day. I'm talking about the first part, which is offense. An offense defined is this. It's an annoyance or resentment brought about by a perceived insult or disregard for oneself or our principles. So this is not deep-rooted unforgiveness that I'm talking about. This is an annoyance. When given fertile ground to grow, it turns into unforgiveness. And Proverbs 19 tells us that it is to your glory to overlook an offense. So if you get offended, it's to your glory to go, eh, I gotta brush that off. I gotta brush that off. So an offense is something like this. You might think it's just something silly. It might be something simple. It could be that your boss called you into his office to go over the quality of your work, and maybe you're super proud of your work. You did a great job on it, and he says, you could have did better. Ew. Right? That's annoying. 
Maybe your coworker hears the conversation and then she proceeds to tell you, yeah, you could have did this and you could have did that and you could have did this and that would have made it better. <laughs> Ew. Right? I didn't want your opinion. Um, it could be a friend that says she's giving you a compliment about your hair when in reality she's just saying, hey, um, your roots are growing out. Are, do you like it like that? That looks really cool. Ew. Someone did that to my daughter and I want to be like, girl, Back up off my kid. Her hair looks nice. But that's an offense. Offense. Annoying little things are offensive. When your husband asks you what's for dinner. Offensive. I don't know what's for dinner. (laughs) Offensive. Offense. It's just annoying, right? It's just something that kind of makes you go, ew, that wasn't cool. That That wasn't cool. I didn't appreciate that. But what happens is if you aren't intentional with guarding your heart against that offense, it now settles into your heart. And the next time you see that person where it was just a a silly little annoying thing, but you see them down the road and you kind of go, oh man, you start to put that wall up in that relationship. And it's not intentional. You don't mean to do it. We just do it because that's our defense mechanism to protect ourselves from insult. If somebody ever comes to you and starts a conversation with, I don't want you to take this the wrong way, but... 10 out of 10, take it the wrong way, <laughs> right? It's, gonna, it's not gonna go well. So the other day, Joey and I were having a conversation about relationships and the importance and, of communication in relationships, and he said something that was so good, but since he's not here and I am, I'm saying it. A relationship is only as strong as the quality of its conversations. A relationship is only as strong as the quality of its conversations. If you take two people in a relationship and one person constantly dominates that relationship and the conversation, you don't have a relationship, you have a dictatorship, right? There has to be two-way communication. I will take it a step further, and you may not agree with me. This is my personal opinion. But I think if you are a person that communicates only electronically via text message or email, I don't think your relationships have the depth of quality that they could have. You've got to have face-to-face communication or at least a phone call so you can hear the person's tone of voice. I cannot tell you how many times I have taken somebody's text message the wrong way because I didn't understand their heart with which they were sending it. So I encourage you, face-to-face communication is so important. We've got to be aware of the enemy's schemes because you have to remember that when somebody is going to offend you, it's typically somebody that you love or someone at least that you like. Um, occasionally you do have the stranger that is offensive, right? You have people that um, are strangers, don't know you and say something that's offensive and you're like, okay, that's so annoying. Who are you? Whatever, move on. Or you have like a social media troll that's offensive or, you know, but that's pretty rare. When you really get offended, it's because somebody you like said something or did something you didn't like. That's typically where it comes from. So to guard our relationships against offense, we've got to have good, healthy communication, The second thing we have to take responsibility for when it comes to managing our heart is our words. Our words. I'm going to read you a passage of scripture out of James. Maybe you have read this. Maybe you have not. But this is in your Bible. I'm not making any of this up. I'm just giving you that precursor right now. It is right here in this Bible, okay? James chapter 3 says, Dear brothers and sisters, not many of you should become teachers in the church, For we who teach will be judged more strictly. That's wonderful to read. (sighs) 
Indeed, we all make many mistakes. Yes, agreed. <laughs> For if we could control our tongues, we would be perfect and could also control ourselves in every other way. Guys, I have to read that again. I, Guys, for if we could control our tongues, we would be perfect and could as control ourselves in every other way. Oh my gosh. Whoa, that's powerful. I could control myself in every other way if I can control my tongue. It goes on to say, we make a large horse go wherever we want by means of a small bit in its mouth, and a small rudder makes a huge ship turn wherever the pilot chooses to go, even though the winds are strong. In the same way, the tongue is a small thing that makes grand speeches. Wow. But a tiny spark can set a great forest on fire. And among all the parts of the body, the tongue is a flame of fire. It is a whole world of wickedness corrupting your entire body. It can set your whole life on fire, for it is itself set on fire by hell. You guys, that is in your Bible. People can tame all kinds of animals, birds, reptiles, and fish, but nobody can tame the English bulldog. Let me tell you right now, we took that dog to six weeks of obedience training, and um, he got his little certificate. I wish I should have had the picture. I've got a picture of him smiling with his little obedient certificate that he got from the trainer. We went home and he ate the certificate. You cannot train a bulldog. I'm jealous of the skateboarding bulldogs that are trained. So I'm like, man, you people are amazing. No one can tame the tongue. It is restless and evil, full of deadly poison. Sometimes it praises our Lord and Father, and sometimes it curses those who have been made in the image of God. And so blessing and curses come pouring out of the same mouth. Surely, my brothers and sisters, this is not right. Wow. Now, this scripture is applying to how you talk to people. It's applying to how you talk about people. It's applying to how you talk to yourself. It is applying to if you are a person that lies if you are a person that speaks deceitful words, if you're a person that cusses, curses, um, if you go on angry tangents, this scripture applies to all those things. Words. This is my top three. This is in my top three because God and myself have had to deal with this topic a lot in the time that I have been walking with Jesus. I have been a Christian for 33 years. I accepted him when I was 14 years old. And so in the 33 years time span that I have had, with God, I have had three distinct times where God has disciplined me heavily in this area. The first time was in my early 20s. I was about 22 years old. And I remember I was having a conversation with a friend of mine. I remember like it was yesterday. I was having a conversation with a friend of mine and I said something to her that was somebody else's business. I had no business telling her what I told her. And when I left that conversation, the Holy Spirit pricked me and was like, girl, that is not how we talk. And it, it struck me so strong, I repented. I was like, God, I forgive me. I shouldn't have shared that information. And from that moment on, I became hyper aware of my words because I realized in that moment how powerful words are and how flippant we use them. So that was in my early 20s. Fast forward to my mid-30s. I was about 35 years old. And I was having a conversation again with a friend, a different friend. I was having a conversation and something just blurted out of my mouth and it was something that I knew I wasn't supposed to share and again the Holy Spirit was like girl that is not how we talk 
And again, I had to have that discipline from the Lord to remind me that's not what we do. That's not okay. And I had to repent. And again, it kept me hyper aware of my words. Fast forward to now. I just turned 47 years old. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you. I just turned 47 years old. And a couple of weeks ago, hey, maybe I was still 46 when this happened. But a couple of weeks ago, I was having coffee with a friend of mine, and you guys, I blurted out something so negative. It wasn't about a person, it wasn't about a situation, it was just a negative statement. And in that moment, again, the Holy Spirit was like, girl, that is not how we talk. And so mid-conversation with my friend, I said, I I gotta apologize, I shouldn't have just said that. I can't believe that just flew out of my mouth. I'm sorry, I, I I shouldn't have said that. And it bugged me all day long why something like that flew out of my heart. So I had to go home and have a heart-to-heart with God. Like, God, what's in my heart that caused me to say that about that? I shouldn't have did that. So again, discipline from the Lord because of things that I said. So it seems that this happens to me about every 10 years. So at least I'm good till, you know, my mid-50s. <laughs> I'll be good. A couple more scriptures for you guys on this. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. A person's words can be life-giving. You can give life with your words. If you claim to be religious, but don't control your tongue, you are fooling yourself and your religion is worthless. Whoa. Lastly, Proverbs 10, 19, the more talk, the less truth. The wise measure their words. Your heart will attack you if you allow offense to settle and become unforgiveness. Your heart will also attack you if you don't measure your words. And lastly, your heart will attack you if you don't embrace a disciplined and self-controlled life. Beware of living a life of lack of discipline. And I'm not referring to discipline like I received from the Lord as a result of the words that I was saying. I'm referring to living a life without personal discipline. You just throw caution to the wind. You have no self-control. You do what you want. You say what you want. You act all kinds of crazy. No structure, no discipline. That's what I'm referring to, guarding your heart against Proverbs tells us that with self-control, you're better off than a person that takes a city. Self-control is important. First Corinthians says, don't you realize that in a race, everyone runs, but only one person gets the prize? So run to win. All athletes are disciplined in their training. They do it to win a prize that's gonna fade away, but you and I are disciplined in our training to win a prize that's gonna take us to eternity. It goes on to say in First Corinthians, I'm allowed to do anything but not everything is good for you. And even though I'm allowed to do anything, I must not become a slave to anything. So when you hear that word discipline, what do you think of? Do you think of negative, right? Most people think of negative when they hear the word discipline. They think of punishment, discipline, structure. Ugh, I don't like any of that. That's not what we're talking about in this today. I, I love that scripture. I'm allowed to do anything, but not everything is good for you. But I, I-, I wanna hear that first part. You can do anything, but not everything is beneficial. I don't want to hear that part. You can do anything, but not everything is beneficial. I can do anything, but not everything is beneficial. I can do what I want, but not everything is beneficial. Right? I have lived my Christian life, and forgive me for talking so much about myself. I don't normally like to do this, but I feel like that's where I have to go today, so here's, here's, this is what it is. But I have lived my Christian life on both sides of the spectrum. I have lived extremely disciplined in so many areas of my life, but I've also lived extremely undisciplined in so many areas of my life. And can I tell you what I have learned from living life 
in the middle, seeing both sides. I have learned that discipline is freedom. Discipline brings freedom, truly, truly it does. It sounds like an oxymoron because again, we think of discipline as a negative thing, but discipline brings freedom. That is a tough place to exhibit self-control sometimes when it comes to our mouth, right? What we're saying out of our mouth, that's a challenge. I think for everybody would agree, right? I think we all could agree. That's a challenge. What's coming out of our mouth is a challenge to exhibit self-control when it comes to what's coming out of our mouth. But did you know it's also a challenge to exhibit self-control with what's going in your mouth, right? I can eat and drink whatever I want, but it's not always beneficial. Dang it. Why is that got to be in there, right? You know, can somebody tell that beautiful, blonde, gifted, amazing lady that runs the Oasis Cafe, could someone tell her to stop making brownies? Like, for the love of God, somebody tell that woman to knock it off. What is she trying to do to us? I mean, I know coming early to the Oasis Cafe is the highlight of the day, but geez, what is she doing? <laughs> In case you're new here, I'm, I, I'm the Oasis Cafe. That's me. That's me. Thank you. Thank you. The, but the issue, you guys, is not the brownie. Eat the brownie. Who cares? The issue is not eating the brownie. Just maybe don't eat five. Right? I mean, not, not that I've done that or anything. But self-control. It's a hard area for us to have self-control in. As Pastor Tyon comes and we close out our time, I've been thinking so much about this topic of discipline and self-control because we can do whatever we want. The Bible just said it in 1 Corinthians. You can do whatever you want, but is it beneficial? That's what the scripture is challenging you with that question. You can do whatever you want. Do we all go, woo? <laughs> but is it beneficial? Wah, wah, wah. When Joey or myself or Pastor Marie or anybody else graces this pulpit to bring you a word on a Sunday, it's never for us to come up here and tell you what to do with your life. We're never going to tell you how to live your life. We're going to come here and bring you the scripture and hopefully take the lid off and expose some things. And then it's your job to then go home and take what we've said and line it with the word of God and see how it applies to you. I'm never going to tell you how to live your life. Now, we have opinions on how you should live your life. We have ways that we interpret scripture that might be different than you would, but that's okay. That's why you go home and figure it out for yourself. You don't have to take everything we say and go, oh my God, they said this. Okay, take it home and line it up with the word of God and see where you land with that. You all know how you need to live. You don't need us telling you how to live. We all can research in this good book how we're supposed to live pertaining whatever area you have questions about with life, you can find it listed here and the Bible will tell you how you're supposed to live. That's it. I don't have to tell you. The word tells you. Pick it up. Pick it up. We can do anything we want. We are not robots. But you have to ask yourself, is this beneficial? For example, these three topics today, offense, measuring your words, and living a life with discipline, these are things that are worthy in a, a, you know, a series in themselves. They're big topics. But my job is to hopefully expose them to you so it'll make you think and you'll go home now and ponder the scriptures that have been shared and how they apply to you. That's what Sunday 
That's what this message portion is about. It's not for you to come in on a Sunday and hear the message and then leave these doors and do nothing with what you heard and then just go and live like hell all week long, go crazy out and let the world infiltrate you and then stay gone for a couple of months until you feel all messed up again. You gotta come back again. You come, you take your Holy Ghost shower and you go back out and you do it again. There's no freedom in that. There's no healing in that. There's no way to live. Our job is to give you the word and your job is to take the word and see how it applies to your life to build that consistent character. I wanna read to you Romans chapter seven. This scripture makes me chuckle when I read it because I relate to it and I think you will too. It's Paul saying, I don't really understand myself. Amen. For I wanna do what is right, but I don't do it. Instead, I do what I hate. Isn't that how we do? It's a cycle, right? It's back and forth. Man, I, I want to honor God. I want to be disciplined with my body. My, my body is a temple of the Holy Spirit. I want to be disciplined with my words. I want to be disciplined with my time. Make sure I'm investing in the right things. I want to be disciplined to read my word. I, I want to honor God in every area of my life. I want to do that. But like Paul, I don't always do that. And so we fall short. And a lot of that I think is because we're stubborn and we just wanna do what we wanna do when we wanna do it. But I think another reason why a lot of us don't allow ourselves to live a disciplined life that's full of self-control, I think one of the reasons why we don't jump into this lifestyle of just serving Jesus, honoring God with my life, being disciplined, I would think people would say if they were honest, they would say my heart fights me because I don't like who I am, so I don't deserve the benefits that come with living a disciplined life. Because if you live a disciplined life that's full of self-control, all the promises of God in this word are available to you. Man, you're gonna feel good, you're gonna look good. You're gonna be strong, you're gonna be healthy, you're gonna be full of life and purpose when you live by what the word of God says to live by. And some people just don't think that's for them. Some people just think, well, that could be for other people. That's for somebody else. Because I look in the mirror and this is what I see. I don't see what the word of God sees. I see, and then you list all of your failures and all of your flaws and how God could never use me because this is what I see. So I'm not gonna live self-controlled because I couldn't possibly receive anything good in my life if I lived that way. So it's easier to stay living beneath my dignity and it's easier to stay living below average. That's an easier place to live because it doesn't require much of me. I just have to get by. If I live down here, I just gotta get by. I just gotta get by. I just gotta get by. But if I live up here, oh my gosh, there's amazing things waiting for me. I'm gonna have this amazing God-given destiny up here, but I gotta work a little bit for it. I gotta discipline myself a little bit for it. I gotta train like an athlete out of Corinthians for it. I've gotta be purpose-filled in my life if I'm gonna live up here. Down here, super easy. Up here, more of a challenge. But the reward is so, so great. When it comes to measuring our words, the last person that we measure our words with is ourselves. It's, it's easier to measure your words when talking to people but it's a lot harder to measure your words when you're talking to yourself. When you wake up in the morning and your thoughts start running, are they negative or are they positive? Probably mostly negative because that's just where we go. I've shared this story before, but I wanna share it again for those that are new with us. Um, 
because this topic, why I shared this topic of discipline and self-control is because it's very personal to me because that is where I lived. I, I didn't deserve all the good things that were in God's word. I became a Christian at 14 and man, I was, I fell in love with Jesus quickly. Like he did a quick work. I began to forgive my dad that had abused me and I began to forgive my mom who just allowed crazy things. And I began to walk through a lot of forgiveness and, and healing and seeing that God was a father to me and it was just a whole, just so many things. And so God did a quick work in my life as a teenager. But as I got older and started to read the word more and I would read all these wonderful promises that were available for God's children and all these attributes that the word of God says about who I am, I'd be like, yeah, that's, that's so great for people. Man, that's awesome that Jesus thinks that way about people, that God feels that way about people. That's so cool. And I'd be like your biggest champion. Like, man, you know what God thinks about you? Let me tell you what God thinks about you. But I couldn't receive it for myself. Not because I was afraid of doing the work to live disciplined, but because I just didn't think I deserved it. Because I realized that as a little girl, growing up in a home that was filled with abuse, my root structure was built on shame. My root structure was built on shame, so my foundation was laid on shame. And so when your foundation is laid on shame, everything you do comes from that place. Every, everything I would say was shame-filled. Everything that I would do, shame-filled. I'm ugly, I'm this, I'm fat, I'm all these things. Those were the words that went through my mind growing up as a kid and into my teenage years and into my adult years because that was my root structure. And so it took somebody coming to my Bible college when I was in my early 20s. I was in a Bible college in Sacramento and a gentleman was preaching at a chapel service, much like a service we have here. We would have those once a week at school. And after the service, he was talking to me and he wanted to have a moment to pray with me. And what he didn't know was how my self-esteem was so bad, and I, I can't even adequately describe to you how bad it was, but it was torment. And if you've ever lived there, you know what that's like. Oh, I hate to even have to go back there. But sometimes God has me go back there to remember where he's brought me from. But I couldn't, you guys, thank you. I couldn't even look in the mirror. I would brush my teeth away from the mirror. I would do anything I could to stay away from the mirror. My whole my whole kid, my whole teenage years into my young adult years. When I would help customers at my job, I worked in retail and I would help them, I would literally be thinking, oh, I wish you didn't have to look at me. I'm so sorry, this is what you have to see. And I truly believe that. But you guys, I was a Christian. I loved Jesus. He was changing my life in so many areas at this time. So there was this confliction in me that I didn't know what was happening. I didn't realize that my foundation was so messed up that that's why I felt this way. I thought this was normal to think this way about yourself. I just didn't even think about it. It was just who I was. And so when this gentleman comes to our Bible college, he's praying for me after the service. He says, God wants me to tell you something. He said, you are not hard to look at. Now, he could have never known I felt that way because on the outside, I carried myself so strong and so well. Nobody knew that I felt that way. I did not tell a soul how bad I felt about myself. But God knew and so God used that man to say, hey, you're not hard to look at. And so when he told me that, it was like the scales fell off my eyes. And I realized, oh my gosh, that's not normal to feel that way. That is not how I should be feeling. 
And I began to realize I had to take a jackhammer. If you've ever seen people doing construction work and they're trying to hammer up cement, you know, a jackhammer's like, I had to take that to my foundation and start to hammer up that negative foundation. Because what I had done for the years that I became a Christian at 14 and the years to follow into my early 20s, I had taken these wonderful promises from God, amazing stuff in this book, and I was building them on a foundation, but I had another foundation underneath it. So it was like, boom. So you try to lay these promises down, boom, they just hit. They don't sink in. They wouldn't sink into my heart because they hit this other foundation. So I don't know who needs to hear that today, but I believe many of you have a foundation that is not healthy. You have a foundation that was rooted in abuse, a foundation that was rooted in trauma, a foundation that was rooted in chaos, a foundation that's been rooted in turmoil. And if that is where your foundation is laid, then anything you try to put on top of that foundation is not gonna sink in here because it still has to get past here. So until you take a jackhammer to that negative foundation, you start hammering that thing out of your head, then the word of God starts to come and permeate and flood and pour and change. Oh man. So maybe you don't live a disciplined and self-controlled life because maybe you think you don't deserve it. It's not just because, it's not because you wanna do what you wanna do, no. It's because you just don't think you deserve it. But can I tell you something? <laughs> you so deserve it. Oh my gosh. You guys, we deserve to be all that God has called us to be. Not because of anything that we've done, but because of what he's done for us. The song that we were singing earlier about being glorified, the best thing you and I can do is tell the world what Jesus has done. That's what brings him glory. Tell him what he's done in your life. I hate revisiting things of my past, but I do it because it reminds me of how good God is. Oh my God, I'm so glad I don't live there anymore. I don't live in that turmoil. I don't live in that torment. It tries to, it tries to pick at me, I, I, I will tell you that. The enemy's always knocking at the door, trying to take me back there, but I know too much now. So I hope you do too. Well, now you do. Well, now you do. Would you close your eyes and bow your heads? Thank you for listening to the Oasis Church Podcast. You can find our podcasts wherever podcasts are available. For more information, go to experienceoasis.org. Thanks again for listening.